Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon. Greetings. Beautiful day out there, is it not? The sun's shining ever so brightly. Was that a crazy morning? I woke up this morning around 5.30, looked out the window, and was shocked. Shocked. I thought, did I miss this? Yeah. Apparently, uh, is there like a weather warning and I didn't see it? No, and everyone was like inflamed on Facebook and social media today because those weathermen, why can't they get it right? Oh, relax. That's it. inexact science. I just thought it was, I mean, wonderful that there was a two hour delay in two my hour neighborhood. Delay for our house as I well. I was happy about it. Yeah, I was out there shoveling once more. Oh, it was fine. I'm so sorry for Here's you. the weird thing. So, you know, I've got these two, like, levels, you know. In your okay, driveway. Okay, now look. When I describe this, please don't assume that I'm living in some palace because I'm not. But I have, you know, like, two levels of my driveway. A lower part mm-hmm. where when it's snowy or ice, we park down below. An upper part, which is next to the house that, you know, and in regular conditions, we park up there. Well, yesterday, you know, all the snow melted. And so I parked up top. Thinking, we're good. Well, my car was there overnight. Now, here's the deal. That is not a four-wheel drive vehicle that I'm driving. So this morning, I shoveled the bottom part of the driveway, and then I thought, i got to move that car down. <laughs> so fortunately, you'd been watching enough Olympics that you were able That's to exactly utilize. exactly what I was going to say. Uh-huh, it steerage. was the luge edition. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing. I was literally going down the hill with no brakes and just sliding. Please just... tell me. Please tell me that you were in a unitard. <laughs> no, I was not in a unitard. No. But I tell you. It was, I was just it... going to ask you what colors you were. Mm-hmm. I was hoping it was red, white, and blue. But then, I, you know, in a pinch, you just put on whatever charge you can yeah. find, I guess. It was so early in the morning, I had yet to have my coffee. And after it was all over, I didn't bother to need it. I mean, holy smoke. You were so I hot. was wide awake. <laughs> I was flying down that hill backwards, looking at the rearview mirror, going, oh, oh God, oh, God, oh, God, <laughs> thinking I was about to hit my wife's vehicle. Wouldn't that have been. Oh, yeah, just a joy. Rich. Anyway, so. Now, one well. thing I will tell you, though, is, you know, you don't go down the luge backward. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. <laughs> Okay. I do. Did you watch the luge last night or the yesterday afternoon? I did. Kind of early evening, I guess, when the American came and got the gold me- or silver medal, I mean, uh, yep. unexpectedly. Yeah. And his whole family. How about, uh, was that his girlfriend or his wife? No idea. Or his mother over. or someone. You know just exactly like, what yes, I meant. In tears. She you know, bent over, yes. was weeping. Yes. And I love the fact that after he got the gold medal, you know, there are a couple tracks there. Yeah. So not the gold medal. I'm sorry. The silver medal. Yeah. He crossed over the first track and then he crosses over the ice in the second track and almost wipes out, falling. Oh my I thought, wouldn't that be funny? Like yeah. he just won a silver medal on ice. And uh-huh. then what if he like wiped out on the ice? And hurt himself. The right. poor man. Yeah, it looks like John when he's walking down his driveway. <laughs> that's exactly it. No, that's when I use yak tracks, which have yeah, he didn't have this. sort of little commercial. Here he had those yak little tracks. tiny yellow luge slippers. How about not that? sure what they are. How about all those different weird accoutrements that every, all the Olympians are wearing? And how about how we become fascinated with them once every four years? Of course. You know, I, we're watching this yesterday. Going, what is the deal with those yellow slippers? Yeah. My daughter's like, now tell me how you'd steer that. Well, how about the speed skaters with the gigantic skates that are 50 miles long? Oh, my Oh, yeah. God. And Mike, you're holding up your, how about the uh, spiky gloves? Yes. Oh, oh, with the little thingies on the fingers. That'd be cool to kind that, of, like, wouldn't it? I would I like, not yeah. want to get slapped by those. I know. They looked serious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. High five. Ow! Stop it. So did they hide? Did they talk about those gloves? Not particularly. Okay, I was surprised they didn't. I thought maybe I'd turn, I'd miss that part. You know, you know, it's on for so long, you go in and out of the room, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It came back and they were showing the gloves, and I thought, 
what is that? Yeah, what's going on? You know, those are going to show up soon on Pinterest. <laughs> they are. They're going to. Someone's going to create them for their for the home. They'd be That's good, good gardening gloves, wouldn't they? Because you could like make little holes and dig they around would. in there. They'd be good to keep out intruders as well. <laughs> yeah, like by your bedside, right? So hold on there, sir. Okay, so you watched a lot of Olympics this weekend. You said I did watch a did lot of you? Olympics. Yeah. Okay, M- much to my surprise, I was really not too interested. I know you weren't. And then you kind of what fall- happened? You know how I am. I'm okay. so easy. You fall into a hole and you kind of go. Oh, sh- I'm watching this. Please be careful. Right. Okay. So, what did you love in particular? Um, I love curling, which I know nothing of. But the we—I mean, how weird is that? It is so weird. What is? It? And I'm married into a Canadian family. They, I mean, they think the fact that I think it's weird, they think is weird. Yeah. So there's like, what, what is the deal? They're throwing the stones, or they're gliding the stones down. There's a very particular balletic move yes. when he lets the stone move forward. And then all of a sudden, they are sweeping that thing like crazy and yelling back and forth to each other. It's like a chess game, actually. It's what well, I think it is. And clearly, I don't get it. No, why? It's kind of like cold bocce ball. Yeah, and it's a lot like bocce. It's just the, the sweeping looks so ridiculous. I love it. I just think who came who came up with this? Yeah, somebody with a lot of time on their hands in a very cold country. It cracks me up. I love. First of all, I loved the skating last mm-hmm. night. Loved the skating. Oh, you do the um, the men's and women's skating. I don't really care about that. Well, I'm surprised because you're such a you love dance. You yeah. don't love skating. I'm kind of like nah. No, I, I had my choice between watching something else and the skating. I, I skipped the skating. I watched the luge instead. Oh, I th- I think that you perhaps made a wrong decision. I don't think I mean, so. I watched. You could watch them both. They were it's, on right after each other. It's a little too much for me, quite honestly. I get it's a little, little too theatrical. Yeah, it's way super. It's like it's it's even bigger than opera, if that's possible. So, depending on the act. Yeah, so I don't really connect with that. I get a little embarrassed, quite honestly, because of all the beating. No, I just get, it seems just a lot super of big. And I know it's beautiful, and I know there's a lifetime of work involved in it, and it's highly theatrical and deeply demanding physical, but it just loses its mark on me. That's all. Well, I'm sorry to hear you say that, yeah, it's John. it's okay. No big deal. Okay. I Can't mean, please everybody, right? No, and I, I support your luge. Hey, yeah. later we'll talk about uh, four of us gathered in my office to watch the 3,000-meter women's uh, short track speed skating. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was some kind of crazy yeah. race. Now, here's the weird thing. Crazy if you would have said that race. same sentence two weeks ago, we would have gone, what? Wait a minute, what? what? A handful of us gathered in your First office First of all, the fact that the... four people fit in my office is yeah. shocking. But still, it was very exciting. It really was exciting. Anyway, so yeah. So here's the deal. So now that you're like invested, no, speaking for myself, now that I'm invested, like for the next two weeks. That's all you're going to do. Yeah. That's all you're going to do. And you're not going to care the pitchers and catchers reported today? I don't care already. Don't even bring that up. You're, but you, nope. Look, you just nope. said nope. yourself nope. you're nope. easy. Nope. No, no, you no. weren't into the Olympics, mm, and no. now you're like all of a sudden, Mister. I'm going to pick luge over figure skating. I want to pick and luge over baseball at this point. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm done. Okay, that's it for now. All right, coming up next, uh, Greg Cluxton's not able to make it today. Greg. He's taking a vacation for a couple days, mm-hmm. so we decided to let him. Anyway, we're going to talk to Dr. David Aikman live from Ireland. We'll talk about the Chinese crackdown on Christianity and how the Pope, he says, caved in to their control. That's next. All right, up the nice and light. Thank you. 
101.5 WORD. Defiance, disobedience, disrespect. If your child demonstrates these attitudes, he or she might feel unloved. On the next Focus on the Family, Dr. Emerson Egerich helps you learn to maintain a healthy balance between love and respect relating to the whole family. You'll learn how to restore peace to your home next time on Focus on the Family. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, Wednesday is February 14th. I'm not talking, though, about Valentine's Day. I am talking, though, about a Medicare plan that you might love. And I know you're thinking, wait, didn't we just have open enrollment? We did. But this is disenrollment time, which means it's time to dump your so-called Advantage plan for some real Medicare coverage that includes traditional Medicare Part B and the Part D prescription drug plan. Todd Marley knows all of this is confusing, and he knows you've got all sorts of Medicare questions, but he's also got a team of experts that can guide you through all of the options available to help you make the best choice possible, a comprehensive option that gives you access to any doctor or hospital you want without a referral, with lower deductibles and co-pays little to none, a Medicare plan that's focused not just on cost, but quality. So don't get stuck paying thousands more in out-of-pocket expenses. Call Marley Financial today. Deadline is Wednesday. Call 724-884-1496 or visit them online at marleyfg.com. I'm just so upset. I'm having so much trouble getting to sleep. Only to wake up in the middle of the night worrying all over again. I'm wearing down. There's no one I trust, no one I can open up to. But I've got to find someone I can talk to who can't keep going on like this. She found help, and so can you. We are Faithful Counseling, the world's largest platform for faith-based professional counseling. Our Christian counselors are all licensed, trained, and experienced, qualified and certified by the state board. But more importantly, we share your Christian values. Available 24-7 by text, messaging, phone, and video conferencing from the comfort of your own home. We'd like to invite you to try your first week free by going to FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word HELP. That's FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word HELP to get your first week free. Faithful Counseling, we're here when you need us. Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Whippeo Athletics to Fine Arts, Service Activities, and more, Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. Hey, welcome back. So what is happening in China? For years, the the Chinese authorities essentially turned a blind eye, or they allowed church growth. Now, in the past several weeks, if not longer, we've seen one news story after another. yeah, Yeah, there's like a seesaw. It seems like, right? Yeah. So sometimes it seems as if the churches are able to progress to a certain point and then the government will, you know, crack down on them and it seems to be different based on the province of China that the that the government is controlling. Right. So I wonder what the policy is because you've seen photographs of Chinese government authorities rolling up to a church with, right. um, uh, you know, an earth mover or some such uh, equipment and knocking either the church down or the steeple down and taking by 
Bibles away. Here to talk to us about that is David Aikman. David uh, is for many years, 23-year career, Time Magazine. He's award-winning print, broadcast journalist, best-selling author. You can see David at, on his website, davidaikman.com. But David, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? John, thank you so much for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Good to talk to you, David. Um, John and I try to keep Happy abreast. Y- yeah, David, we, we try to keep abreast of what's going on in China with the government's relationship with the church. Um, is it different right. province by province? Well, to some degree, yes. There are regional differences. But the overall situation at a national level has become much worse for the last four years. Four years ago, you may remember, they blew up, or they, actually, no, they didn't blow up. They basically pulled to the ground this huge church in Wenzhou, which is China's most populous uh, Christian city. Um, the church that seated up to uh, 60,000 people, they just destroyed it. Mm. And you may have seen recently that in Shanxi province, they destroyed a large church called the Golden Lampstand Church by literally planting dynamite charges at different corners of the church and just absolutely blowing it up. Hmm. And this is the most destructive uh, series of events that's happened to the church in China since the end of the Cultural Revolution in 1976. And they have been arresting pastors and clergy leaders and lay leaders at the rate of knots. And all you have to do is to go to chinaaid.org and see the posts of um, Bob Fu, who is the head of chinaaid.org, the most effective advocacy group for persecuted Christians in China, and you can tell that this is a very, very serious deterioration of the situation of Christians in China. Yes, Bob Fu's been a guest on our show on a fairly regular basis, David. ChinaAid.org is what David's talking about. David, uh, our church is an an international church in that uh, we're on the campus of the University of Pittsburgh, so at at any particular time, there are international students, primarily Chinese students, who come into the church for uh, Bible time, social time. We did a, a game night, I think maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. And it was a game night with international students. Right. So you're sitting down with people who have, you know, basic English skills. Or, and you're or, playing... or some don't have basic English skills. <laughs> yeah. And so you're playing, you know, Parcheesi ah. or Scrabble or something like that. So there were three young Chinese men sitting at my table. So I'm going to make conversation. And at one point during the evening, I said to them, so please tell me about the persecution of Christians in China. Now, I don't know if these men were Christians. My guess is they weren't. But I was surprised, right. David, because... All three men, when I said this, the persecution of Christians in China, they laughed and they said they know nothing about that. Now, how can that even be? Well, no, it's quite possible, actually. Um, Many American students and professors have noted that Chinese students who come to the States and, for example, they're asked by their American friends, what do you know about June Uh, June the 4th, 1989, which was the Tiananmen Massacre, of course, they don't know anything about it. And they don't know anything about the persecution of the church. Now, an added factor might be that several of the students 
of the Chinese students in the United States are members of the Communist Party or have been co-opted by the Chinese embassy in Washington, basically to put the best face on a, a rather difficult situation. I see. So I'm not at all surprised that they laughed at the question. There are various explanations. Dr. David Aikman is with us, award-winning print and broadcast journalist, best-selling author, and foreign policy commentator, a 23-year career at Time Magazine. You can find all the information about David at his website, davidaikman.com. David, let's talk about the um, let's talk about the disagreement between the Roman Catholic Church and the communist government in China, um, especially about the person of the bishop. I, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation. Guo Qijin? Yes. Well, what you have to understand about the Catholic Church in China is that in 1951, um, along with a policy of co-opting all the Chinese Protestants into one church governed by a Chinese church administration, the Roman Catholics were no longer Roman. The Chinese adopted an organization or established an organization called the Catholic Patriotic Association. And what they said to Rome was, look, we are going to make our own Catholic bishops. You are not going to have any say in who they are, and we're just going to operate completely independently. Now, what has happened in practice is that um, several of the um, underground Chinese Christian churches, that is, churches which are have priests and bishops who are part of the, the international structure headed by Rome have been operating sort of clandestinely and in parallel with the official church, with the Catholic Patriotic Church. And that seems to have gone on fairly peacefully until very recently when all of a sudden the Vatican said, oh, I think we're ready for diplomatic relations with China, and will be able to establish um, a Roman hierarchy within China. Well, of course, if the Chinese gave them that impression, it was a completely faulty impression, because the Chinese government organizes the Catholic Patriotic Association through the Communist Party, the United Front Work Department of the Communist Party, and they are going to control the Chinese Catholics, no matter what. So I think it's very unfortunate. I think Pope Francis made a serious error in agreeing to allow the Catholic Patriotic Association to decide how many bishops it was going to ordain, and and by requesting the underground church to give up any of its bishops that... um, that the Catholic Patriotic Association didn't want. I think it's very unfortunate. I see. So instead of the Pope insisting, or at least trying to push forward, he acquiesced to communist authority. Absolutely. He really did. And the the striking thing is that Bishop Zun, or he's a, a retired Catholic bishop of Hong Kong, whom I got to know very well when I was doing my book, Jesus in Beijing, He was, at that time, back in the early 2000s, 
adamantly against succumbing to the Communist Party control of the Catholic hierarchy in China. And he has openly criticized the Pope for this decision to concede to what the communists want. I mean, it's a striking uh, example of a, a sort of papal uh, a protest against the Pope by a senior Catholic bishop. I see. David Aikman is with us. You can find him at, online, davidaikman.com, davidaikman.com. So, David, 1.3 billion people or so. Clearly, the uh, Chinese government, the communist government, has everything to uh, to gain by keeping a very tight rein on any form of organized religion, Christian and or otherwise, and this is exactly what they're doing. So there will probably never be a day in the foreseeable future where true Christianity is a Allowed to grow and prosper. Well, that's uh, that's a kind of a pessimistic view. But if you look at the historical view, historically, um, rebellious Christian groups have always somehow succeeded, not only to survive, but had to have a major role in changing the structure of the entire society. And I've always hoped that when the total Christian population in China reached approximately 25%. It may be about 13% or 15% right now. When it reached a a certain tipping point, the whole society would eventually change with it. But the Communist Party is absolutely dead set against allowing this to happen, and they've really dug their heels in. Well, the Communist Party is smart enough to know that they can't. The com- communism has never tolerated another god other than the government. So the, it's Absolutely, it's clearly yes. you know been demonstrated over you know a hundred years that that if, if they don't crack down on it now, that it'll it'll overtake them. That's right. I mean, that's what they fear because they know that people who become Christians basically stop believing in communism. Mm-hmm. And they are very afraid that the large number of Chinese Christians will basically alienate the rest of the Chinese population from accepting communist rule. And they're absolutely terrified of that happening. I see. So, David, is it true then, as China goes, so goes. Now, look, we're in the middle of the Olympics, right? South Korea, North Korea. The entire region is essentially ruled by a, a Chinese communist hierarchy. Well, the, you know, that's certainly what many people think. And uh, a lot of people view the Chinese expansion economically throughout the world and the encroaching Chinese control over many universities and things that the Chinese basically are reaching for total global control of the planet. Now, that may sound a bit conspiratorial, but logically it coincides with the fact that uh, Chinese cyber corporations have been trying to get an entry into things like Google and um, uh, Facebook and everything else, and they've had some success in establishing a foothold in sort of Silicon Valley's influence in American society. And if the Chinese had their way with the Internet globally, then you would have a complete cessation of free speech throughout the planet. And that's a disastrous thing to contemplate. Mm -hmm. David, have you watched any of the Olympics? 
I've watched a little bit, yes, particularly that 17-year-old uh, snowboarder who, I mean, yeah. I've never seen anybody performing like that. It's quite extraordinary. It is extraordinary. What did you think, David, about the, uh, the you know, kind of uh, public going head over heels for Kim Jong-un's sister? Well, I think it's just a the, the familiar sort of um, case of the Western media looking for the latest yes, sort yes. of exciting uh, prospect mm-hmm. and completely overlooking the fact that the North Korean regime represents one of the most despotic establishments on earth and how they can sort of go gooey about her just because she's a reasonably decent looking person and she's getting cheers from a lot of people in the crowd. I just don't know. It's horrific, isn't it? It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to take. Yes. So David, um, in our final minutes here, you know, I'm glad you said to me, John, it's somewhat of a pessimistic uh, perspective that you have on China and Christianity. So all the years that you spent in China, uh, I'm sure deep relationships, great friendships with the Chinese people, uh, you know, so right. whether it's China or you know Iraq or Iran, um, the hope always is that the people will one day rule. And so, uh, are, are you generally? And I'm, I think probably the answer is, has to be yes, because you're a Christian, and of course Christ will reign. But what would that look like? I mean, how will China ever divest itself of communism and have Christianity at, at its main force? Well, you know, I used to sit next to Chinese on airplanes in China, and I used to keep saying to them, you know, you should be nice to the Christians you see around you, because when people are stringing you up from lampposts for being members of the Communist Party, it's only the Christians who will save your necks, because they are a merciful, forgiving portion of your population, and you should really cultivate them and be grateful that they are infusing a real quality of mercy and virtue into your otherwise very cruel society. Mm-hmm. David, our time's up. Thank you so much for being with us. One last question for you. Tell us about life in Ireland. Well, ha, I don't know a great deal about it because I'm in only in one small portion of the country and I haven't traveled around recently at all. I, I like the Irish very much. They've been very kind to me. And uh, they have a, a great sense of humor. And uh, they also surprise you by some of the things they come up with and they, they say. But basically, their sense of humor is the thing that keeps everybody sane who lives here. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, keeps us sane, too. Thank yes. you, David. All right. Thank you so much, Kathy and uh, John. The pleasure is always ours. David Aikman, a storied career, 23 years at Time Magazine, award-winning print and broadcast journalist, online at davidaikman.com. Yeah, traffic. It is what it is. Missed concerts, football games, lots of cold dinners, and cold shoulders from Cindy. How much longer do I have to do this? Kids miss me. Cindy misses me. Our marriage is missing me. With a financial strategy from Kurt Knodek. Then I heard Kurt Knodek on the radio again. Retire sooner than they planned. Retire sooner. 
I called Kurt. We talked life, family, retirement. He had my numbers. Then Kurt pulls out this retirement plan, personalized for me. Look at that. Retirement wasn't that far off as I thought it was. Now the only thing I'm missing? The traffic. Do you need a financial strategy for retirement? Let's talk. Accurate Solutions Group. 800-360-1645. That's 800-360-1645. Investment advisory services offered through Accurate Investment Solutions, Inc. If you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals, seeking a skilled labor position, or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. Right now. There are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. High pressure building in from the west tonight will set up a clear and cold night with a low of 14 degrees. With partial sunshine tomorrow will rebound nicely to an afternoon high of 42 Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 35, then even milder on Wednesday. Mostly cloudy with an afternoon shower, rising all the way to a high of 54 in the afternoon. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Friday night, my wife and I went to the movies. We've been, you know, sort of invested like a lot of people have since the start of the Olympics with the Olympics. And I thought, well, I'm going to miss the Olympics. So we went to an Olympic movie, so to speak. We went to see I, Tanya, which is no the story. No wonder you didn't want to watch the figure skating last night. <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, kind of the same I thing. I bet it is. Yeah. I, I, I Talk about a wretched piece of Olympic history. Yeah. So it's the story of Tanya Harding and that poor woman's life. Uh, what a, What a life. And the debacle that happened, I believe, in the 1996 Olympics in no, Lillehammer. No, was it 96? I think it okay. was. In Lillehammer. I it was, okay. Um, I'm sorry, 1994. Four. Okay, 1994. Right. Lillehammer. Yeah. And her then husband at the time. And what was his name? Sean? I can't think of what his name was. They were, they were like Look, household names for a while. Were, okay. Yeah. There was like a trio. It was her husband. 
Jill Price. No. Was that it? That was her husband? Mm. No. Oh, no. Galuli. Jeff, Jeff Galuli. Galuli. Right. right. And what was the other guy's name? Uh, so Jeff Galuli had a buddy who said, oh, he was like a covert operative. Basically, he was a guy who lived in his parents' basement. <laughs> right. And called himself right. covert operative. So Jeff Galuli, the husband of Tanya Harding and his wackadoodle buddy, hired two other guys to go and hit Nancy Kerrigan, another figure skater, Nancy Kerrigan, in the knee and and break her kneecap so that Tanya Harding would ascend to the Olympic gold. Well, as you might imagine, the thing quickly fell apart. I mean, they left a trail, you know, a mile long and five feet wide. I mean, it just it was easy to pin these people. But the, sto- the story, I, Tanya, the movie, goes into what it was like to grow up Tanya Harding in a sport that really sort of wants feminine, especially in that era, feminine perfection elevated to the ninth degree. Right. You have to be Peggy Fleming or you have to be Dorothy Hamill. Right. And Tanya Harding essentially was a trailer park girl. And so she was making her own costumes and she was deeply rough around the edges. And her mother was deeply abusive, hit her on a regular basis. She married a guy who hit her and abused her on a regular basis. I mean, the woman never stood a chance, never really did. Now, after watching the movie, one of the things I like about watching a, a so-called you know, a bio is that you watch the movie and then you go back and read about right. the time and mm-hmm. think, okay, was that real? How much of it was there a wiggle, right? Whether it's television, you know, things we watch on the tube or we watch it on the movies. As sympathetic as Tanya Harding was portrayed in the movie, there was room for pause about her involvement in this. Now, the bad thing about it is she apparently knew that something was up. She didn't know the extent of what was happening. But because of her knowledge, she was sentenced to a felony. It was suspended, essentially. She didn't do any jail time. Okay. But she was kicked out of the International Ice Skating Federation for life. Now, this is all she's ever done. So she had to sort of go on the road. She was a boxer. She was fighting, you know, in the ring. She fought Paula Jones. Remember that name? She fought Paula Jones. You've got to be kidding no. me. Um, she's a welder. Oh, talk about you know, it. So she's been a sort of a, oh a the poor thing's been sort of a okay, circus so, freak show. So, was, so the movie was a sympathetic portrait. Very much so. And there's a lot to draw from that sympathy. I mean, her mother was heinous from this from this portrayal. So who who were the who were the evil actors other than her mother? Was the Skating Federation an evil actor in the movie? Yeah, I mean okay. everybody was. It, basically everybody was the, the movie presented this you know the the cards were stacked against Tanya Harding because the Skating Federation had wanted someone petite and feminine. Mm-hmm. Tanya Harding was not that. She married the first guy that she ever dated who abused her like her mother did. So she just fell from one calamity calamity into another. But now, in reading about her after the fact, now that the movie's out, which apparently she will share some small percentage of the profits, so she could be financially set, she's found true love, that she's been with a man, married to a man, has a child with this man. There's a family, and there's a renewal in her life. So Was that part of the movie? No. No. Didn't go forward and it say this is where she is no. now. But what about up. Nancy Kerrigan? Where is she now? Nancy Garrigan's married with children, and she continues to, you know, avoid the spotlight, but she gets drawn back in because the association with Tanya Harding is just so crazy weird. So, so was it a good film? 
Yeah, it was a good film. Is I mean, it is it an Oscar no worthy film? No. So we've seen most of the Oscar nominees for the best picture this year, and most of them I kind of go, it's a it's a not a great year for the movies. So you feel like for this movie to be nominated for best picture of the year, it's a stretch. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Go see Ladybug. No, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Sorry. Go see Lady Bird. Go see Ladybug too. I just Go- don't know what it is. <laughs> You ever seen any ladybugs? I love ladybugs. Uh, I say that I I know when if people have a ladybug infestation, they cease to be. I've cute. had a, lady, a ladybug. Yeah, That's why I'm I brought sorry. that up. Yeah, ladybird. Sorry, okay. go see ladybird. All right, I'll try. You need to go see the Greatest Showman, so we'll switch. All right, okay. Take a break. Come back. Uh, Jay Richards is going to be with us. Why did Jesus fast for forty days and forty nights? And should we? We'll stick around for that. Be right back. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. The best way to understand the part of the Bible you don't understand is to obey the part you do understand. Why should God show anybody any more truth until that person has acted upon the truth God has already shown them? Adrian Rogers gives clear biblical answers as we go back to the basics this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Are you a small business owner in need of cash to fund payroll, to buy new equipment, or to expand your business? Has your local bank turned you down? Have you been told no when you really, really need to hear yes? Get cash to run your business right now. Call Strategic Funding and get a yes today. 800-210-6998. If you've been in business for at least a year, have annual revenue of at least $150,000 and minimum credit score of 550, we can provide you with up to $500,000. Our unique financing service can get you the cash you need with very flexible payment plans, personalized to fit your specific situation. Growing your business just got a lot easier with approval in as little as one day. Stop worrying and call Strategic Funding today for a no-obligation consultation. 800-210-6998. 800-210-6998. 800-210-6998. Most mattress ads are dominated by offers of long-term, interest-free financing, often for five years or more. Just how expensive is that mattress if it takes you five years to pay for it? Retailers build the financing costs into the already inflated price of the product. This is Robin Trzinski. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't offer long-term financing and don't inflate prices. Why? We believe in transparency and honest pricing. Get a great bed that you can actually afford. OriginalMattress.com. NRB's International Christian Media Convention, Proclaim 18, is February 27th through March 2nd in Nashville, Tennessee. Network and learn from experts in digital media, radio, TV, church media, film and entertainment, and international ministry. Hear from inspirational speakers like Kay Arthur, Rick Warren, Eric Metaxas, Jim Caviezel, My Pillow founder Mike Lindell, and experience NRB's massive exposition. Proclaim 18, February 27th through March 2nd. Details at NRB Convention. 
Extension.org. Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper in credit card debt? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management will consolidate your accounts and work with your creditors. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone, like today. Hit the slopes for half the price. At Peak Ski and Snowboard, you'll find the top ski and snowboard brands, plus all the clothing and accessories you need. Spend just 50 bucks and get a $100 value at Peak Ski and Snowboard in Monroeville and Gibsonia. Log on now to wordfm.com and look for the Discount Shopping Club link. So if you're looking at your church calendar, you should know that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the Lenten season. Dr. Jay Richards is with us. Jay Richards is the executive editor of The Stream, an assistant research professor in the Bush School of Business and Economics at the Catholic University of America. He wrote a piece on The Stream, which is a website that we use and love daily, called Why Did Jesus Fast for 40 Days and 40 Nights and Should We? Jay, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Great. Good to be with you. Thank you. Good to hear you, Jay. Um, so let, let's talk about this. This is a uh, this is a dramatic story that the scriptures lay out for us. It is, and I mean, in some ways, because we're used to reading the New Testament, the Gospels, we don't realize how mm-hmm. profound it is. And so, I'm this is actually a part of a series I'm doing on fasting, and really because of Lent, and honestly, because I myself. I must confess, I've never been a great faster. My wife used to, and I used to do it for a while on Fridays, and I do it during Lent and things like this. But it's not a major part of my life, and only because of an elimination diet because of a health problem I've had have I had to think about it and started realizing, oh my word, this is a major part of the Christian life historically, and it's the way Jesus opened his ministry. So if you look in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, Jesus is baptized by uh, John, uh, his cousin, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit sends him out into the wilderness or to the desert, which depends on the translation, for 40 days and 40 nights, where he fasts in order to be tested by the devil. So the Bible says the Holy Spirit wanted Jesus to fast for 40 days in the desert and be tested by the devil, which is sort of like, okay, what's going on here? There's a lot going on. So, Jay, then what's the deal? Why not just a a 29 or a 32 or a 37-day fast? Or a 7. Yeah, 40. Of course, the Gospels often just sort of presuppose that we understand all the connections between Scripture better than we do, but almost anyone that casually reads it will remember, okay, there are other things that happened in 40 days. In fact, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights uh, after Noah and his family uh, went aboard the ark. So God cleansed the earth of sin for 40 days and 40 nights. So in Matthew, is saying 40 days and 40 nights. He knows Matthew was written specifically to, Jew- to Jews. Uh, he knew Jewish readers are going to remember, I'm referring to this as somehow a connection between what Jesus did and what happened in the time of Noah, then the time of Moses. Moses uh, leads the people out into the wilderness, and the first thing that happens, he goes up on Mount Sinai, and he is up there with God for 40 days 
and he, we're told he doesn't eat or drink, and then he comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments that have been given to him directly by God. Turns out there's several sort of examples like this in the Old Testament, and so what the Gospel writers are saying quite clearly is that, look, this, look for a biblical pattern in this thing, and actually look at something like fasting, because certainly that's, I mean, Moses obviously had to be sustained miraculously by God. It actually, it's hard for us to imagine, but a healthy person with 35 extra pounds of fat, you can actually survive for 40 days non-miraculously without food. You can't survive without water. And so what I think that suggests is that, you know, you might think, okay, well, Jesus was the Son of God, so of course he could survive without food for 40 days. But if you read the text in the Gospels, it's clear um, that God wasn't miraculously sustaining him. Jesus was suffering the actual feelings he had as a fully human man and was hungry. And then at the end when he was hungry, that's when Satan came and tempted him. So we shouldn't write off this passage about what Jesus did in the desert as if, okay, well, that can't possibly apply to me and to my particular walk in life. In fact, I think it's written almost to its design, the way it's written in the text to cause us to reflect on our own uh, how this implicates us. Yes. And, and so, Jay, I also like, you know, in, in the article that you wrote, that you talk about the triple tempting of Satan, because it's one thing to fast, but of course, by doing that, that sort of activates other things around us, right? And a lot of that is uh, evilness, which would seep its way into our lives. Absolutely. And if you read right now, for the follow-up on this, I'm reading about uh, the Church Fathers and what the early Christians did, and they saw this for several reasons. First of all, it helps us kind of detach ourselves from the daily, you know, if we're eating three or four or five times a day, we, that can kind of control us. And so it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but we want to have a little distance from it so that um, we're, we eat food and rely on it, but it doesn't control us. And so we detach ourselves from that. But then also, this is what's more mysterious, that in doing that, even though even if you're sort of physically weakened, you might actually have strengthened yourself spiritually. That's what's sort of odd about the passage, because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit led Jesus out really to do battle. And so the last thing I would think of, honestly, in my natural way of thinking would be, okay, I'm going to do battle hey, how about I not eat for several days to prepare? That doesn't, that's not the first thing that occurs to me, but I honestly think the longer I thought about this and looked at the way the Church has pe- you know, sort of treated this, that there's actually some kind of mysterious spiritual power that we can access when we, when we undergo this freely, and we're not doing it you know, for the approval of men, but we're doing it because of a, kind of a power that it, I think it has to help us sort of tap into what we are spiritually. So you mentioned in there that each one of these 40-day periods is the beginning of something new that yeah. God is doing. So that's in, that's interesting, too. So what? So how do you see the connection there? Well, I mean, so you, this is, again, wouldn't occur to you unless you sort of looked at the text. But, of course, in the time of Noah, this was God, God was judging the whole world. He sends this rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the first thing that happens when Noah and the family get off uh, off the boat is that God enters into a new covenant with them. Same thing with Moses. God has left the Jews in captivity for 400 years, uh, and now he's going to start to fulfill this promise uh, to take them into into the, the what we call the Holy Land, but the promised land. Uh, and so he's doing a new thing with his chosen people. And then there's also that little 40-year period t- 
too. So Moses spends 40 days on the mountaintop with God, and then because the grumbling of the Jews and because they, in fact, built a golden idol, God decides, okay, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to keep you alive, and I'm going to leave you in the desert for 40 years uh, until this generation dies and the next generation comes about. And so, again, it's these major joints that, uh, where these things tend to happen. And so in Jesus' ministry, it's the major joint between him living the peaceable life of a Nazarene carpenter and then entering his public ministry. And so fasting in the early church and even in Lent itself, where we bring ourselves back into this remarkable transition from Jesus' time incarnate here on earth in his ministry to his death and crucifixion and resurrection and saving us of us from our sins. Again, a major kind of transition point. Only a couple minutes left with Dr. Jay Richards, executive editor of The Stream and assistant research professor in the Bush School of Business and Economics at the Catholic University in America. Jay, I had a friend that told me years ago when I was in college that the biggest mistake people make when they read the Bible is that they read little bits of it. Mm. Instead, he said, you know, you don't you don't read little bits of Lord of the Rings. You don't like right. open up two thirds of the way through and read a sentence and say, wow, I wonder what that means. Like it's part of a book. And you recognize if you read a novel, you know that the end has something to do with the beginning because you know how books work. Yep. But for some reason, when we open the Bible, we lose that and we think, oh, no, we can just read a little bit here and a little bit there. So I guess my question for you is, what's the deal with 40? What, what, like when numbers repeat themselves, what is God? What, what do you think the point of that is? I think, honestly, what it is, Kathy, is it's precisely to tell us, look at these things that relate to each other. Mm. You wouldn't guess that all these things we're talking yeah. about relate to each other, but you get this recurring theme of six and seven and a thousand of these things in Scripture that it's just a, it's a little sign from the divine author, because, of course, the, book, the different books of the Bible were written by different humans, but all written also by the same divine author, and I think it's the way that divine author tells us okay, look for a connection here that you might not otherwise have realized. And if we read this as sort of Bartlett's book of quotations to be memorized individually, we're going to miss all those wonderful patterns and messages that I think God has for us. I'm into that. Well, Jay, thanks an awful lot. We hope that you have a powerful Lenten season and that on Sunday morning you wake up and say, Christ is risen indeed. Amen. Thanks. Good to talk to you guys. Our pleasure. Jay Richards, he's the executive editor of The Stream Look for it online. Uh, the Stream is a really a powerful site. Many great resources you can use daily. TheStream.com. Individual results may vary. Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch-up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew, I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices, is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely 
completely changed our lives. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. As Christians in the United States, we don't often realize how good we have it. Meanwhile, our brothers and sisters in the Middle East are facing greater religious persecution than any time in modern history. This is John and Kathy from The Ride Home. Since 1977, Christian Solidarity International has relentlessly campaigned for the freedom of believers targeted specifically for their faith in Christ. These are Bible people in Bible lands, the faithful remnant who are left behind in their country of origin. A single gift of $165 can literally buy a Christian out of slavery. Or rescue one believer from the threat of enslavement or execution. That $165 provides freedom, food assistance, medical treatment, and life-saving aid to persecuted Christians around the globe. Call 225-765-4998 today. That's 225-765-4998. To learn more at wordfm.com. Christian Solidarity International, helping Bible people in Bible lands. 225-765-4998. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. PittsburghChristianSchools.net. This is Tom Lemon, General Manager of Word FM, with a special invitation for pastors only. Tuesday, February 13th, we would like to invite you and up to three guests to a private screening of the new film, Tortured for Christ, the inspiring true story of Pastor Richard Vermbrand, who for 14 years endured persecution in communist prisons for the crime of being a pastor. Produced by the Voice of the Martyrs, this amazing story of love, courage, and forgiveness will inspire and challenge you. 7 p.m. at the Cinemarket, Settlers Ridge, Robinson Township. RSVP now at wordfm.com. John, there's a video that's taking the internet by storm. Yeah. Have you seen the giant boar up on his hind legs in the dumpster in Hong Kong? I have not. I can't believe you missed that, John. What? I mean, Did I you? can't believe you're not watching the trending giant boar videos. What? It's true. So, um, Apparently, there were a group of parents who were taking their kids to school in Hong Kong, and they spotted a wild pit, a wild boar yeah. with two, pi- three piglets that was standing on her hind legs and reaching into a dumpster. So, how, how tall do you think a dumpster? Dumpsters is? are gigantic. Okay, how tall? So, a, tum- a dumpster is what five feet tall? Do you no, think? No, it's taller. Taller than five? I bet it's seven feet. You Come think on, it's you seven? St- yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. It's, I, when. I think if I stand next to a dumpster, I can't. You can't see in the dumpster. Okay. Well, I will tell you that this boar, when she's on her hind legs, is easily three and a half feet taller than. Wait! Here. I just saw the photograph. Oh my gosh! Can you that believe was like a freight train? I mean, it. This this pig is Shh, a pig. Enormous. It's the size of a house. It's enormous. Can you I mean, believe that? That's scary. That's unbelievably what, that's like, huge. Holy smokes! So it was. It was shared by uh, some person. I, I was going to say it's a man, but I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what gender it is because I don't know any names. Any well, Chinese we live in names. Well, society today. <laughs> that's that's right. But it's been already shared more than four thousand six hundred times, and it's been looked at three hundred thousand times. And the parents who have students in these in this school are feeling a lot of anxiety, thinking that these animals are that close to the school. I mean, look at the size of that animal. What I love is that the the baby boars, which yes. is you know using it loosely, 
they're the size of a, a Volkswagen. Oh. oh, yeah. And they're just standing around peacefully right. the waiting for The baby boars their... on their, just walking normally, are like a good, what, three and a half feet tall. Yeah. Now, that might be different than an American dumpster. Just saying. There may be a you know variation between... But no. look at the curb. I mean, you see what the curb is. Yeah, it's it has gigantic. to. It's still gigantic. It has to be. What is? I feel like I need to post it for all of our listeners to see. I mean, don't you want to see the giant boar? Okay. Have you seen the video too? No. Because the boar makes really crazy noises. I'm playing it for you. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is your boar update. It's the ride home with John and Kathy. What's ahead for the five o'clock hour? Who knows? But don't miss it. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. The best winter athletes in the world are changing their tactics and just trying to stay safe and upright in the frigid temperatures. And wild wind around Pyeongchang. Low temperatures have hovered from the single digits to below zero with strong gusts making it feel even colder. Organizers have shuffled schedules and shivering spectators are leaving events early, they say. Police say Donald Trump Jr.'s wife was taken to a New York City hospital after opening an envelope that contained white powder. A preliminary test of that powder indicated it was not dangerous. Authorities say Vanessa Trump called 911 this morning after opening the letter addressed to the president's son at their midtown Manhattan apartment. In the market coming off a turbulent week last week that left major indexes with their biggest losses in two years. But better news today, the Dow ending up 410 to 24,601. NASDAQ up 107. S&P ending up 36. For more details, srnnews.com. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Hi there, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. So what do you have planned for your Valentine this year besides a hug around the neck? How about Valentine's Day at the Springhouse? We'll turn down the lights, bring out the fancy china, have serenading by a local artist, and serve you a four-course meal of farm-fresh eats like you've never had before. Because Valentine's Day falls on Ash Wednesday this year, we've even added a few non-meat choices. You get to choose from marinated grilled flank steak, celebration chicken, homemade gnocchi and red sauce, and honey glazed salmon with all the fixins. Call today, 724-228-3339 to reserve your spot at one of our three seatings. Get all the details online at springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 at springhousemarket.com. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program that's been around for 25 years, and they have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $1 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money. Think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have a lot to offer? Well, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. What kind of sleeper are you? 
Are you a back sleeper, a side sleeper, or are you a rotisserie chicken? You just keep turning. Me? I'm a mystery sleeper. Sometimes I wake up and I think, how did I get here? Hey, this is John Hall, and no matter what position you take on sleep, my pillow will make sure it's comfortable. If you haven't tried my pillow yet, inventor Mike Lindell has a terrific new offer this month for word listeners. It's his four-pack special. That's two full-size my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Great for long trips in the car, the plane, or hotel. That reminds me, they're even machine washable and dryable. Sometimes I just like to fluff it up a bit. Just toss it in the dryer with a damp towel. It comes out just like it came out of the box. Plus, it comes with Mike's 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD to get the four-pack special. Or go to MyPillow.com. Be sure to use the promo code WORD. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. High pressure building in from the west tonight will set up a clear and cold night with a low of 14 degrees. With partial sunshine tomorrow, will rebound nicely to an afternoon high of 42. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 35. Then even milder on Wednesday, mostly cloudy with an afternoon shower, rising all the way to a high of 54 in the afternoon. I'm Mackie Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for coming along. We are your alternative to the Olympics this week. So if I don't you're not know if we're in, an alternative to the Olympics. Well, yeah, I, sure. I like to think of us as a, an accessory. A companion? Yeah, a companion, a faithful okay. companion, an encouraging companion well, wait, now, to if the you're, Olympics. If you're in your car right now, you're not watching the Olympics. I, well, I certainly hope not. Could you imagine like calling like luge races over the radio? It would not be too interesting. Well, you know, like Doc Emmerich could make it work. He sure could. He Doc can make Emmerich, anything work. He can do anything. He's a genius. Sure as heck, he is. really is. Hey, um, might play this clip. Uh, see if uh, see if you can recognize this voice. Okay, this singing voice. I know the song. I don't know who it is. What's it from? Oh, that's from My Fair Lady. On the street before, but the pavement always Isn't that a great song? That is Vic Damone. Vic Damone was uh, 89. He passed away yesterday in Miami Beach. Uh, Vic Damone, a decade younger than Frank Sinatra, and the contemporaries around him, Perry Como, Tony Bennett. That was a voice that was common in my house growing up, along with right? Frank Sinatra okay. and Perry Como. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't have the, obviously didn't put, well, obviously, he, uh, that's me, just me <laughs> interjecting editorial. Uh, he didn't have the charisma. Or the style, yeah. But it was a big, beautiful voice, mm-hmm. and he had a long career. Uh, probably had his uh, his nadar in the nineteen fifties as the big band sounds started to wane. 
But at that point, Vic Damone was probably at the top of the heap. You know, Sinatra had sort of fallen from that perch as well. But he continued to, to tour and to be in Vegas and all over the country for many, many decades. Just one of those sort of durable post-World yeah. War II voices that yeah. our parents probably listened to on a regular basis. Right. I never I, – I, when I heard that he passed away, I recognized his name but would not have been able to, you know – Name him if I if I would have heard his voice. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I probably I'm the same way. Okay. But he just came up on the news cycle today, and I thought, oh, yeah. I, I know that that name. I mean, you know. So, do you know where he got his start? Like, was he a was he a stage singer? Or he was, was born he in a- Brooklyn. One of uh, five kids. His father was an electrician. Um, his father was disabled, so he quit high school and uh, went to support the family. He became an usher at the Paramount Theater in Manhattan where teenagers were squealing for Frank Sinatra. So he met Perry Como as he was at Nasher. Mike, pay attention to this part. In an elevator. And then in the elevator, Vic Damone performed a spontaneous audition for Perry Como and asked for an evaluation. That led to an endorsement and a lifelong friendship. And then from that, that... Boy, that takes a lot of guts. Sure does. The comedian Milton Berle heard uh, Vic Damone on the Arthur Godfrey radio show, arranged the New York City nightclub engagement. He was a hit. He soon was back at the Paramount, singing on stage and not becoming an usher. He became a headliner at the Copacabana in New York and in Hollywood. He sang at the White House for several presidents and at the Royal Albert Hall in London. He toured Europe. He had an NBC radio show, had a TV show in the 60s and the 70s, sold millions of records on the Mercury, Columbia, Capitol, Labels, and um, wow, that is major signif- hit. That's a significant career. You know what that is? That's just someone seizing the moment. Yep. That's moxie. Yep, it is. Which is in short supply. Yep, yep. Well, moxie. Well, our sympathies to his family, friends, and all the pretty good fans who loved him. Eighty-nine years old. Yeah, living at the top of the game. Take a break. Come back. We're going to talk in a few minutes about shame. Who will be your shame bearer? Or do you think you can bear it yourself? Shame's everywhere, and so we must address it. Dan Allender is with us. Dan's going to be in town as part of the Coalition for Christian Outreach Jubilee event. We're going to talk to Dan about that and many other things. So stick around. It's the ride home. Shame in our lives. WORD with James McDonald and Walk in the Word. Jesus is so much more than the warm, fuzzy figure accepted by so many Western Christians today. He's the king of all creation, and he's coming back soon. This week on Walk in the Word, James McDonald strips away the confusion and shows what the Bible really says about Christ's second coming. Be listening this Monday through Friday to Walk in the Word with James McDonald. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on 101.5 WORD. You may have heard that the Obamacare individual mandate is dead. Yeah, but not until 2019. There's some good news, though, because you can start your own Obamacare repeal and replace plan today with Todd Marley and his team at Marley Financial. You don't have to wait another year or another day. You can call Marley right now and ask about their non-Obamacare pro 
Pro-Life Health Plan, where it's always open enrollment time. The Pro-Life Health Plan can save you as much as 30 to 60 percent over what you pay now, especially if you're age 50 or over, because you're only going to pay for the comprehensive coverage that you actually need. You'll avoid the Obamacare penalty that's still in effect for this year, and it's called the Pro-Life Plan for a reason. It doesn't fund abortion. So why wait? Say goodbye to the open enrollment period for good. Repeal Obamacare for yourself today. Call Marley Financial, 724-884-1496, or visit them online at marleyfg.com. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Discover Eden Christian Academy and discover an exceptional education where solid academics and authentic faith prepare students to step confidently into the future. See what the largest non-denominational pre-K through 12th grade Christian school in the North Hills has to offer. From Whippeal Athletics to Fine Arts, Service Activities, and more, Eden Christian Academy, Christ-centered, student-focused, and mission-true since 1983. Visit EdenChristianAcademy.org. The return on my investment has been beyond my imagination. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock on unexpected blessings. I always wanted to be a great dentist, but what I wasn't prepared for is the relationships that I'm able to develop. It's a deeper relationship than I thought I would be developing with my patients, and it's reawakening my relationship with God. And I think it has just about everything to do with me purchasing this practice and the patients welcoming me like they did. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Shame. It's not one of those feel-good things, is it? Shame. Dan Allender's with us. He's asked this question throughout his life in ministry. Who will be your shame bearer? Because Dan says that shame is everywhere and we must address it. Dan Allender has pioneered a unique and innovative approach to trauma and abuse therapy over the past 30 years. Dan serves as professor of counseling psychology at the Seattle School, travels and speaks to present his perspective on sexual abuse, recovery, love and forgiveness, intimacy and marriage. He's the author of a lot of books, including The Wounded Heart, and he's co-authored several books with Dr. Temper Longman, including Intimate Allies and the Cry of the Soul. Dan is going to be in town as part of the Coalition for Christian Outreach Jubilee very soon. And Dan, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here today. John, Kathy, so good to be with you. Yeah, Dan, nice to meet you. Um, I want to hear, actually, I know your background because I've heard you speak several times, as John has as well, um, and read a lot of your stuff. But I want our listeners to get a good picture of how you approach the idea of shame. So why don't you tell us about your growing up years? Were you a believer? What was your home life like? How did you approach the idea? Did you even acknowledge that there was such a thing as shame? 
Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it wasn't a concept. Uh, it probably wasn't a word that was even in my vocabulary. But um, if I describe my family quickly, I'm an only child. My father was an utterly silent man. My mother was this wild, playful, but at times cruel and witty woman. And so I was often her consort, paramour. I accompanied her on trips. I went to parties with her because my father just didn't enjoy doing that. And so I was sort of her presence. And in that relationship of being, in many ways, a eight-year-old uh, surrogate spouse to my mother, it gave me immense power. Uh, I learned at a very young how to speak, how to think, how to interact with adults. Uh, but I always knew that there was something so terribly wrong that a child essentially is given control and decision-making power when his parents wouldn't actually choose to do that. So in many ways, I would have looked like a super confident, cocky, take hold, take charge kind of guy. Yet on the other hand, the reality is I knew what a bankrupt, empty, and scared little boy I was. But that's the nature of shame, that the face we offer to the world is not actually what we know ourselves to be. And that uh, essential contradiction creates massive complications. Dan, we heard you speak before, and you tell this fabulous story about a, a hair product called Tony Hair Straightener. Please tell our audience that story. Now, I didn't know there was a hair straightener. I got to be honest with you, Dan. I remember the Tony Home Perm. So this was like the this Reverse. was the this was the alternate. Well, I, I grew up uh, before Black Power came in, uh, but I have very very kinky kinky curly hair. Uh, my my heritage is Hungarian Jews, and so I have very coarse, kinky hair. But I always wanted this kind of blonde, straight beach boy hair. And I remember coming through a drugstore, uh, well, actually seeing on TV an advertisement, then going to a drugstore, but not having enough courage to actually go to uh, the clerk and say, hey, uh, where's this product? I couldn't find it. Instead, uh, I eventually found it after a long search, but I couldn't even think about taking it to a person and asking to purchase it. So I stole it, got it home, uh, couldn't tell my parents, obviously, but I went down uh, to our basement bathroom about 4.35 in the morning, one morning, put this stuff on my hair, and I don't read directions today, but I, I, I put, it was pink goo in a pink bag, and you're supposed to sort of sit for a little while. I sort of figured it was a little bit like shake and bake. You put it in, shake it, and it, it comes out looking uh, better. Yeah. So I, I, it ends up that my father heard a burglar in the basement uh, and came downstairs and I was sitting on the toilet at this point, uh, fearful that uh, this pink stuff would stain uh, my pajamas. Uh, and so I took them off because I didn't want my mom to know. Not thinking, again, this is eighth grade, not thinking that if the product actually worked, she might realize. She would but, know uh, there was yeah, something So there. I took, uh, I've got pink bag, pink goo, and I'm sitting there because fundamentally I hate how I look. That sense of shame of not Sitting, not being cool in my world. So all this is just an elaborate way to escape that sense of shame. My father breaks the door down. He has a baseball bat over his head, and he encounters his eighth-grade naked son with a pink bag, pink goo. Uh, he looked at me. He didn't say a word. 
he also didn't put the baseball bat down, <laughs> uh, but he backed out, uh, and literally up almost until his death, we never spoke about that event. But oh, that's, that gives you just a sense of, we will do crazy stuff to escape any sense of shame. Wow. And, and, and we will avoid talking about uncomfortable things to the point where it's just ridiculous. Oh, so well said. I mean, the strategies we have to escape shame, for most people, they have enough of a sense of shame from, you know, elementary school, high school, uh, adolescence, or where there's been failure. I mean, especially failure in terms of anything that people know about. Uh, you got fired from a job, uh, you ended up, your spouse had an affair. Even if though it's not your failure, nonetheless, it, it sort of just comes glomping down on you. Mm. That's where we go into this hide. And that's where, as you asked at the beginning, how I think about shame, the answer is look at Genesis chapter 3. Um, you have the last mm. verse. In, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, that says, and they were naked, and they knew no shame. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful and tragic verses. It's literally the handoff to what we know what happens in Genesis 3, where uh, Adam and Eve sin, uh, they are naked, they're exposed, they feel it, they hide, they blame, they're divided. And in many ways, what we can say is, all the conflicts, whether it be political, uh, whether it be national, whether it be relational or internal, it all is related to shame and the byproduct of contempt and blame. So, Dan, you're saying that shame is everywhere. We must address it because otherwise we all just carry this stuff with us until the last breath. Oh, I, I, I would almost want to say it's like cancer, John. Uh, it's like, uh, look, you might be able to live with this cancer for a long time, but it is eating your interior. It's it's devouring you. Uh, and it, it is the very opposite of what life, of what beauty, of what joy is meant to be. So, yeah, when you address shame, you got shame. Meaning, when I watch even something like Dennis the Menace, are you are you uh, old, both old enough I am, to remember yes, that yes. show? Yes. Well, I mean, even when I watch a show like that, I get embarrassed. I feel shame mm-hmm. because that's Dennis's premises. He puts himself into all these awful situations, and you feel it. I mean, shame is contagious, even when it's on the screen that you're watching. And the byproduct uh, of shame evoking shame is that none of us want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with it in our spouse's life, our friend's life, our children's life. We want to cover it over or universalize it. Like, oh, we all feel that. We've all gone through that. That's not that big of a deal. Well, frankly, it is a big deal. And your effort to help me sort of cover it over uh, doesn't address what it's really doing to the end. I'm glad you said that because in some ways it feels as though we've turned the corner that we live in a shameless society now where everything goes. And you know what? So your sexual thing, that's cool. You know, you do what you do and I do what I do. So there's no shame in that. Oh, you're brilliant. Uh, Again, I do think we live in a shameless culture. But the byproduct of that is not the eradication of shame. It's actually its intensification. Uh, So, I mean, if you look on social media, uh, I don't. But if you are on Twitter, uh, I'm not. uh, You would see that a lot of it is shaming one another. Uh, shaming you for yes, shaming somebody right, else or right. just shaming you for being alive. So as odd as it is, 
a shameless culture doesn't eradicate. It actually creates more potential for Wow. Isn't that, boy, Dan, well, you really hit on something there. Because I am on Twitter, so I am... (laughs) I am bearing a lot of uh, shame. <laughs> I'm bearing a lot of the misfortune you're escaping, but uh, but we ritually shame public figures. You know, someone. Will, so it'll be Matt Lauer for you know a yeah, week's time. Or or it'll thing. be Harvey Weinstein. Well, for look at the it'll president, be, or it'll be Donald Trump. Whoever it is that we pick, it's like that becomes that person becomes our scapegoat, right? We just pile everything on that person. Oh, I just want to shout and go. Oh, I wish we had an hour to take that one brilliant thought further because we do we if if anyone rises in our culture we eventually will find a way to make them pay now we we give them trillions of dollars we give them all sorts of glory and honor yeah but we also cannot wait in some ways to see them topple so there's a sense that envy always undermines those whom we have created into these demagogues so how do that we divest mean, ourselves? Right. There's, that means nothing good about no, any of us. No. It means so, nothing good. So then you yourself, a shame bearer, talk about the story, then intersect that where, you know, you were eaten up by shame. You didn't know Jesus. I mean, I'm reading about you and you were evangelizing. This is the, this, the wild thing. You were evangelizing before you were a Christian. Well, I... I, I my best friend, Trumper Longman III, a uh, well-known theologian, Old Testament scholar, we were best friends in eighth grade, uh, and he loved Jesus, and I thought he was the biggest jackass regarding that, and yet he was my best friend, so I wasn't, I mean, I heard the gospel from the time I was 14 on, yeah. uh, and, and I knew the Romans road, I knew, I knew what it meant to be divided from God, I just thought it was all crazy, but it was my friend and that was his religion. Uh, so I, I would pester him and bug him. But you know, ultimately, if anybody troubled him, uh, I would, I would make them pay. Uh, but during that whole process, yeah, there were people. I literally, uh, I mean, one in particular that uh, was suicidal, and I could not figure out any way to help her make the decision to, uh, to, to, to choose to live. Uh, and finally, I just said, "Have you ever thought about relationship with Jesus?" So I mean. In those moments, uh, I mean, again, I don't know how to put it well, the gospel made no sense, Mm -hmm. and yet there was nothing else in the world that made any more sense than what the gospel held. Mm -hmm. Uh, And during that season, largely because of my own past abuse, my own shame, my own, um, well, just hatred of of my own being, um, I, I used drugs pretty thoroughly and sold them and ended up in a terrible position where uh, a contract had been put out uh, against me and several of the other associates that I work with. And that, that just knowing that I could die any moment, uh, awakened, reawakened everything that I knew about the gospel and, and just simply said, fine, fine. If this is true, fine. And that was my moment of conversion. Uh, but, you know, two things to be said to that. One is, you, you, you ne- even knowing Jesus, and I knew Jesus for many years before the issue of my past sexual abuse ever came to the surface. So shame can hide in spirituality mm-hmm. without the spirituality ever mm-hmm. really addressing the shame. Right, and and uh, and I'm guessing that you would also say that shame can hide in psychology too, without oh, being addressed. 
absolutely. It can hide very well theology. It hides in any profession. In many ways, our commitments to become professionals often has to do with that desire to have a knowledge that other people don't have. Therefore, I have a protective, safe ground Mm -hmm. that nobody can assail me because I've got my PhD, I know this field, I know my area. So I I was in the middle of all that when the issues of abuse uh, my own past abuse came to the surface. Yeah. So uh, in listening and, and reading about you, Dan, you tell the story. And you know this for this phrase, time heals all wounds. So you tell a story about a, a woman, a young girl who was abused at age 13, and you connected with her when she was 97. Yes. Oh, my gosh. One of the sweetest gifts I've ever had. Um, and, and the heartbreak was she was abused on the Lusitania, uh, literally uh, by her music teacher on the way over uh, from, from Germany to the U.S. I mean, I think about that and go, what, 70-some years of life under the weight of, of your own self-judgment and the sense of shame that this topic, this reality can never be addressed. Mm. And it, it's, if I had one sentence for your listeners, it's tell the truth to someone. Don't let this long-term sentence that has been there in the addiction movement, and that is you are as sick as your secrets. I want to go a little further to say you're as sick as the secrets that are bound by shame. And to the degree we can begin to, in one sense, unbind the shame by telling what 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 seems to be about not just what, not wantonly to anyone and everyone, but to somebody who has walked the path of shame well beforehand, and that can be a pastor, that can be a therapist, that can be your, your, your spouse, a dear friend, but it has to be somebody who's further along in addressing shame than you. Dan, uh, we need to take a quick break. Would you mind sticking in there with us for a little bit longer? Oh, totally. Oh, fabulous. Dan Allender, he is the author of The Wounded Heart, headed to Pittsburgh for the Coalition Christian Outreach Jubilee. Back in a few. It's pretty typical to have moisture in your basement, especially in the Pittsburgh area. Energy Swing's Steve Rennekamp on a new way to build a better basement. In conventional basement finishing, people put up two-by-fours, put fiberglass insulation in it, and then put drywall on it and paint it. Every one of those things is organic. It will absorb moisture, and over time, they will start to deteriorate and grow mold. In our total basement systems, there's no organic materials used. There's nothing there that will absorb moisture, and without moisture being absorbed, there's no mold. This is a system that has been used throughout the country for 20 years, so it's got a lot of history, a lot of track record, and we feel very fortunate to be able to handle it in the Pittsburgh area. For most people, their basements are sort of empty space that they're not utilizing. This allows you to use that space productively, and it's a great-looking system when it's done. Right now, get 20% off your new finished basement with Energy Swing's Total Basement Finishing System. Visit EnergySwingWindows.com. I'm Tiffany Haddish, and I use Groupon so much, they made me the spokesperson. Yeah, I'm a celebrity now, but that doesn't mean I don't like to save money. With Groupon, I get the celebrity treatment on a budget. Because even though you're paying less, doesn't mean you're getting less. It feels amazing to get up to 60% off a massage, 50% off a manicure, and 40% off a facial. With Groupon, I still look fresh. It's just all for less. Download the app and save. Groupon. Most mattress ads are dominated by offers of long-term, interest-free financing, often for five years or more. Just how expensive is that mattress if it takes you five years to pay for it? 
Retailers build the financing costs into the already inflated price of the product. This is Robin Trzinski. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't offer long-term financing and don't inflate prices. Why? We believe in transparency and honest pricing. Get a great bed that you can actually afford. OriginalMattress.com One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals. Seeking a skilled labor position? Or administrative work. Maybe you're an executive looking for a career that fits. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. Visit expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. High pressure building in from the west tonight will set up a clear and cold night with a low of 14 degrees. With partial sunshine tomorrow, will rebound nicely to an afternoon high of 42. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, a low of 35. Then even milder on Wednesday, mostly cloudy with an afternoon shower, rising all the way to a high of 54 in the afternoon. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Dr. Dan Allender is with us. Dan is the author of The Wounded Heart. He is also a pioneer with a unique, innovative approach to trauma and abuse, professor of counseling psychology at the Seattle School, headed to Pittsburgh as part of the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach Jubilee. If you missed the beginning portion of our conversation with Dan, please find our podcast on our website, johnnycathyshow.com. Um Dan, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking about a conversation I had across my dining room table with a friend uh, just last week. And this friend of mine is a um, an addiction survivor. And um, he's been in recovery for maybe, I don't know, probably close to 20 years. And he was talking about um, a group at his church uh, that was starting, and it was a group of younger people who were interested in talking about the same time. So it's kind of an, an AA type of thing, but it's kind of a church-based model. And um, and as he was talking about, you know, as someone who has been in recovery for a long time, talking about people who are new to kind of starting to think about recovery, this was his main concern. He said this. He said, when this group meets in whatever church they're going to meet in, they're going to meet in a back room, and it's going to be a room where people can access from a back door, so no one has to see them go in. And he said, I feel like we're doomed from the start because we can't reinforce the shame they already feel. We need to allow them to recognize that they are part of the body of Christ, just like the rest of us. We all carry different types of shame that their addiction should not confer on them. We don't want to confer on them an additional special, right? Additional layer of shame over what they already feel. So talk about that. How do we, how do we deal with sensitive issues in the church? And are we making things harder on each other? Oh, I think we do, especially in the body of Christ. Uh, again, no community ought to know more about sin 
and therefore about brokenness and its consequences. And to know that, uh, again, uh, one of the things I say in most every conference is, look, look, we are far more loved than we could imagine and far more broken than we could ever have the humility to name. So if we acknowledge our brokenness, then uh, again, I get it. I get why you have a back door for people who are just beginning because their own level of shame can't metabolize the idea that somebody might see them, know them, and see where they're going. But let's just say over time, the context of preaching and teaching in our communities must be a level of telling the truth where you have the same kind of language that Paul uses in, in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 1, where he's talking about the reality of being the, the worst of all sinners, the, the chief of all sinners. Well, in naming that, he has named a breviary of sin that's considered to be some of the worst in the entire New Testament epistles. So can we name the reality as a leader that our own brokenness, sexually, brokenness, of food, drink, uh, relationships, that we have not arrived, that would allow a kind of appropriate amelioration uh, of, frankly, not only shame, but uh, of self-righteousness. Mm. But, but Kathy, in some ways, is talking about this model, right, Dan, which I'm sure you know a, a lot more than I do about, but whether it's AA or NA or you know any of the recovery groups, that that idea of a stranger helping a stranger, that you know there's one guy or one woman who's bringing somebody else along, there is such incredible power in that. And, oh. and, to, and to be honest, you know, I, I've been in rooms myself because I'm, I'm in recovery as an alcoholic, that when you, I've been into AA rooms where I think this is holier than the holiest cathedral that I've ever been in in my life. Amen, because there's the telling of the truth. You know, hi, my name is Dan, and alcohol is only one of many other comorbidities in my life. You know, just that, I mean, you don't have to say it quite that way, but the fact is it leavens, it leavens our self-righteousness and allows the shame now to have a context to be addressed. And, you know, again, I don't know if, if that particular program is uh, uh, Celebrate Recovery, which is a fantastic program. Uh, but it, it, just having the opportunity in the church to address our addictions is a advance literally over the last several millennia. But can we go further? I think that's always the question I want to pose. Can we do better? Can we go further for all of us to name? The very nature of idolatry is addiction. I mean, if you can say in your own life that you have no other false gods in your life, that you serve God fully, completely without sin, the moment you sin, it is indication of some level of idolatry in your life. So if we allow that language to simply be part of the normal conversation, normal preaching, teaching about the nature of sin, what we'd be then able to do is to come after this issue of shame and to say, for most of us, we're better at hiding than Adam and Eve. We have our own unique fig leaves, and we have found bushes that we hide behind. But as long as you hide, there will not be an authenticity with others or ultimately with God. So if we can expose shame, allow it to become part of the normative conversation of what it means to mature in Christ, then what we have is the opportunity uh, to be able to go after how Jesus takes our shame. 
how indeed he becomes our very barrier to having to bear all the shame that would naturally be ours as a result of our sin. So the gospel, in many ways, is directly about the issue of shame. Mm Dan, let me go back to my dining room table last week. So uh, the same friend, uh, we're having the same conversation. So as he's talking about his almost 20 years of recovery, um, he said something that jumped, that I, I wanted to, to I, I went upstairs and wrote it down in my diary because it was so important. He said, I've spoken, I've told people everything I've done and I've been forgiven for it. So I'm not afraid of anything anymore. So I can I can tell my story, I can reach out and help someone. I can I can do whatever I'm asked to do, whatever I feel like God wants me to do because I'm not hiding anything anymore. Uh I would love to meet your friend uh on so many levels. Uh, but one of the things I would have asked him is, tell me about your relationship with your mom. Hmm. Tell me about your relationship with your dad. Uh, because all addictions begin with attachment issues. And there are, and again, not saying this is true of your friend, but there are many people who could do an itinerary of their sin, uh, sexually or in terms of, of uh, uh, any other addiction. Um, and I, I bless that. I bless their freedom to do that. But when I've interacted with them, what often comes is this, well, my parents did their best. Uh, my mom... Uh, failed me, but she loved me, which all may be true, but often becomes the way we hide from grief and shame that we don't want to address at that very young, young level of our lives. So, uh, I mean, uh, my history is a very broken history, but when my wife began naming things about my relationship with my mother, uh, I came out of my skin, defended my mother, uh, I practically executed my wife. Hmm. Uh, so, again, you see, I can be very honest about all the sin of my addictions, my drug abuse, sexual violations, etc. But you mess even with a mother who technically uh, was a borderline personality disorder. You mess with her, oh my goodness, now where the shame resides most deeply isn't where I have failed morally. Uh, it is when I was most young and vulnerable to to harm of any sort. So that's part of the task of engaging shame, is not just looking at the last 5, 10, 20, 30 years, but will you look at the whole of your life, particularly in the realm of, uh, of the intersection of your life with the people who most represented God for a long season, and that is your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters, your grandparents, etc. We're talking with Dr. Dan Allender, who joins us from the, Adel- the Seattle School. Dan is the author of The Wounded Heart and co-author of Intimate Allies and The Cry of the Soul. We need to take a quick break, but we're talking about shame. Stick with us. 101.5 WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. God is only distant to those who distance themselves from Him. God is a loving, warm, intimate Father who desires the best for His children, who desires a relationship with us, who desires to communicate with us. Hear the series on First and Second Samuel this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hey everyone, this is Ed Glover from Urban Impact. 
It's time for today's Man Up Minute with Pastor John Nuzo. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Jethro Tull, a rock band from the 1970s, had a saying on the back of one of their album covers. It said, God created man in his own image and we returned the favor. Most of us have an image of God that doesn't accurately reflect who the Bible says he is. It's God's goodness, not his judgment, that leads us to repentance. True repentance is turning from sin and running to the person of God who loves us beyond all human comprehension. Urban Impact Foundation is doing an amazing work of transformation on the north side of Pittsburgh. One child, one family, one block at a time. They see the families on the north side as God sees them, valuable and precious. Pray for them today and consider becoming a part of their amazing work and attending the annual Man Up Conference in June of 2018. I hope you were encouraged by today's Man Up Minute. For more information, visit us online at uifpgh.org. I'm Jay Farner from Quicken Loans. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.36%. But choosing the right mortgage lender involves so much more than just a rate. Only Quicken Loans has earned 12 J.D. Power Awards. No other lender comes close to that level of client satisfaction. And we invented Rocket Mortgage. It gives our clients a simpler, hassle-free way to get a mortgage completely online in minutes. No one else has anything like it. And our people. Each one of our 17,000-plus team members throughout Detroit, Cleveland, and Phoenix provides absolute client satisfaction each and every day. So why would you go anywhere else to get your mortgage? Go to America's number one online lender. Call Quicken Loans today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com for the best mortgage experience on earth. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Back with Dr. Dan Allender, who has pioneered an innovative approach to trauma and abuse therapy over the past 30 years. Dan serves as professor of counseling psychology at the Seattle School. He travels and speaks to present his perspective on sexual abuse and recovery and love and forgiveness and intimacy and marriage. And he's the author of a bunch of books. Um, I'll put a, a link to Dan on our uh, webpage, which is johnandkathyshow.com. Dan's going to be in Pittsburgh in the next couple weeks for two events. The first is Jubilee Professional, which happens on Friday, February 23rd. And then he'll be in town for the Jubilee Conference put on by the Coalition for Christian Outreach which happens downtown at the West. And you can see Dan at JPro. Uh, information will post up at our website and our Facebook page as well. Hey, Dan, uh, yesterday, New York Times Magazine, uh, the front cover story was the headline, What Teenagers Are Learning from Online Porn. And this was the, uh, the, the opening hook. American adolescents watch much more pornography than their parents know, and it's shaping their ideas about pleasure, power, and intimacy. Can they be taught... To see it more critically. So we've reached this stage in American culture now where all of us are walking around with these little computers in our pocket, which we're all addicted to. And we're all, you know, by the New York Times account, especially adolescents, getting our pornography and sexual education from that phone. I mean, we're about to fall off a cliff here if we haven't already. Oh, amen. It was a very heartbreaking article. Uh, and, but if I can start with what may not sound like a kind sentence, but when, when the old phrase of nature hates a vacuum, uh, when we as believers don't address something well, don't be surprised that the fallen world and ultimately the kingdom of darkness will fill it with its own purposes. So the, the question uh, is, uh, how well 
do we as believers, first of all, engage our own children uh, with the reality of sexuality? Um, you know, if you look at the number of parents who basically take an hour or less to say, uh, here's a pamphlet, here's a book, uh, if you read it and uh, if you got questions, ask me, which is a way of saying to that child, uh, I'm uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable, let's honor our uncomfortability and I'll talk about it. So when sex ed comes through pornography, as horrendous as that is, pornography is a scourge, a cancerous scourge, but it doesn't arise out of nowhere. It arises out of the believing community unwilling to engage sexuality outside of simply saying to people, you know, saying to kids, uh, you know, absence is the way to go. Just say no till you're married and it's going to be great. Uh, that's, first of all, not true. Uh, it's not going to be great. It's going to have all sorts of heartache and struggles and growth and beauty and brokenness. Uh, but we don't want to tell people the truth. And so we leave, uh, in many ways, uh, the unbelieving world with the power to be able to broadcast uh, not only pornography, but the message that you will not learn about sex unless you investigate in this way. Mm -hmm. So I, I read it and I just felt grief for even my way. You know, my children are, my oldest is 38, and my youngest is 30. But I look back and go, oh, oh, I wish I had been so much clearer and longer. Now, we took a year to go through sexuality. I wish we had begun three or four years before and stayed with it mm -hmm. over at least five years. The average age for a child encountering what we would have, in my day, would have called triple X pornography mm -hmm. uh, is ten and a half years of age. Oh, my. So uh, Ross Daltet, who's a, an op-ed writer for The New York Times, wrote a piece yesterday hmm. commenting on The New York Times yeah. magazine piece, right? And his take was, look at what this is. I think it's time that we find a way to ban pornography. And so we just talked about the, the hashtag MeToo movement and how it's – how both – the, the pornography issue and the hashtag MeToo movement are, are, you know, kind of two different sides of the same coin, which is that we don't understand sexuality. We're not able to talk about it and we're clearly not practicing it in a way that's respectful. So let's just ban porn. Well, this is what was so amazing to me is looking at the comments section after his editorial. I mean, it was like 99 percent of people saying, oh, yeah, Ross, so you're just one of these people who wants to, you know, put us back in the Puritan era. And why don't right? Why don't we? just put scarlet letters on everybody and you know how about you just let people decide for yourself and I thought to myself I, I it's hard for me to believe anyone who's living in America who sees what pornography is doing to people is not looking around and saying are, wait aren't you aren't we going to figure out something to do about this but instead it seems like at least 99 percent of the opinion writers for the New York Times are saying no 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 it's, it's just great just leave us alone Oh, it, it, again, I, I don't have much of an answer for for that bind other than to say, um, well, how do we address alcohol in our culture? How do we address cigarettes in our culture? How do we address the fact that uh, m almost every major um, uh, media 
outlet owns some portion of of a pornographic work. I mean, it is a when you look at the amount of money, the claim is almost sixty percent of internet traffic has to do with pornography. The amount of money here, and then if we turn the tide to another category, um, child pornography actually exceeds all sales of all other pornography, including prostitution oh my in our country. That is so staggering that if you allow yourself to hear what's happening with regard to perversion, you just can't go back to this libertine, uh, you know, everybody's free. But on the other hand, we let cigarettes continue to be sold. Yeah. Um, and we know without question they kill people. Well, it, it's part of the complexity of living both in a democracy. Yeah, but we did. But as a society, we did decide that smoking was bad, and so we mount. It's kind of like seatbelts. I, I think about smoking and seatbelts in the same way. So we. So yeah, people still smoke and people still drive without seatbelts. But there has been a societal understanding that we have to teach kids there that those things are wrong. There's there's nothing about pornography. I see our society going in that direction. Oh, and it, wouldn't it be beautiful if we were uh, if pornographers had to put on uh, whatever labeling, basically saying here are the twenty consequences that would come, including your adult sexuality, let alone the setup to rape to all forms. I mean, yeah. pornography as a whole always moves toward degradation. So allow that to be named uh, forthrightly, that this is not just arousal. This is actually degradation. Yes. So in the midst of all that sickness, this epidemic of sickness, where people are engaged in pornography, whether it's, it's production or consumption, then people have to know in their heart of hearts, we all know that this is sick and wrong. I don't care what people say. I'm, I'm sure Hugh Hefner, in his moments as he lay his pillow, lay, lay his head on his pillow at night times, thought, you know, I built this empire, but what I've done is pretty sick and dirty. I mean, so people recognize shame at well, some I don't, point. But would he ever have named it that? I mean, everything I read about Hugh, it was just his own life was the proof of it. I don't know if he ever acknowledged it, but he was living the sickness of all of that. Well, I think what you're saying, John, is, is, is somewhere being an image bearer, somewhere, even if it's just this 1% of 1%, yes. has to know that this form of lust and degradation it's is wrong. actually capturing people for evil. Yes. But so, I agree with you, Kathy, that it's the, the chances of him having less than 20 seconds in a whole lifetime is likely a high probability. But then there are people out there, though, right? People are open to knowing that you can lay your shame down, that there mm -hmm. has to be someone, something, the Lord, whether people know that or not, who will be the shame bearer. Oh, again, if we can name that, that most children's entry into pornography is a form of sexual abuse. Uh, I, I cannot tell you how many adults I've worked with who have told me the story that they were presented with pornography, but they, they didn't want to see it. They wanted to see it, but they were in many ways caught in the bind of not wanting to be rejected, not to be called queer for not wanting to look at heterosexual pornography, blah, blah, blah. It, it's a shame bind. So if we can, again, come back to this, you know, the, the perversion of our culture has a deeper root than just a misuse of sexuality. And most times, 
sexuality is where our deepest shame lies. Uh, our own body, our own body image, the experience of our body in the presence of others. If we had the ability to begin to name that, I'm not naive. Right. I don't think all these problems would go away, but it sets the ground to that very image of what you put words to, John. That is, we need a shame bearer. We need a scapegoat where we don't need any more scapegoats, the one who will bear the fullness of the weight of what we know to be our own brokenness and perversion. I have to have somebody take that from me because I can't resolve it in and of myself. By therapy, by self-help books, by more sermons, by prayer, I need a savior. Very good. Dan, thanks an awful lot. We really appreciate your time here with us today. Oh, my, my pleasure. I can't wait to be in Pittsburgh. And I know you do the drive show, but just to say, Seattle is, what, no, number 35 uh, in, in the world? I think Pittsburgh is like 143. So whatever drive that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. uh, mine's a little bit more exciting. Okay, and no, I appreciate that. I can take that challenge. That's Dr. Dan Thanks, Allender. Dan. Dan's going to be in Pittsburgh for two events coming up this month. He'll be here for the Jubilee Conference, which is put on by the Coalition for Christian Outreach. It runs February 23rd through the 25th. It is aimed at college students. If you know a college student, it is your task to get them to Jubilee this year. And it is a pro. That's right. It is a conference that can change their lives. But in addition to Jubilee, Jubilee Professional is coming up on Friday, February 23rd. And that's for anyone who's out of school and is interested in the ideas of work and vocation and faith and how they all fit together. Jubilee Professional put on by the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation. I'll be one of the MCs for that day coming up Friday, February 23rd. Registration open right now at plf.org. Dr. Dan Allender. I was really impressed. You were right. Newcastle Christian Academy has a lot to offer. Couldn't you just see Lauren thriving there? Yeah, I really like that uh, Orton Gillingham. A reading specialist, I know. That could really help with her dyslexia. And all of those extracurricular activities. Hey, they have archery. I mean, how cool is that? And band and drama. And scholarships. Newcastle Christian Academy. Preschool through 8th grade in the heart of Lawrence County at nccaed.org. This is Tom Lemon, General Manager of Word FM, with a special invitation for pastors only. Tuesday, February 13th, we would like to invite you and up to three guests to a private screening of the new film, Tortured for Christ, the inspiring true story of Pastor Richard Vermbrand, who for 14 years endured persecution and communist prisons for the crime of being a pastor. Produced by the Voice of the Martyrs, this amazing story of love, courage, and forgiveness will inspire and challenge you. 7 p.m. at the Cinemarket, Settlers Ridge, Robinson Township. RSVP now at wordfm.com. There's a girl in El Salvador who dreams of becoming an engineer. There's an elder in Uganda who dreams of having a community to call his own. No two dreams are the same. Help one person achieve theirs at unbound.org. I don't want to be like sort of your daily light forecaster, but here it is. It's almost 6 o'clock, and I do believe the sky is still light, that there is not darkness upon us. No, I agree. Which I absolutely love so much. Now, I know that we're all sick of winter, right? But we're, we've still got a big chunk to go. There's at least, what, 
Six more weeks. But it's going to be 55 degrees on Wednesday. I'll take it. I will Show me that. take it. Show me that. Okay, so tonight on the Olympics, yeah. uh, first off, John, will you be watching? I believe so. Okay, good. Um, can I tell you what you can see? Yes, thank you. Now right. So you're watching, wait, you're watching what? Uh, on NBC I'm watching and NBC. on the other channel? Well, I've been only watching NBC. Okay, all right. I had a busy weekend, so I didn't okay. watch nearly as much as you did. Okay, so what's on tonight? But, okay, so tonight, uh, Monday, alpine skiing. Hopefully they got this, like the, 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 uh, wind. the wind worked out. Yeah. You can see some biathlon. Uh, okay. You can see some curling. You'll be happy about that. Figure skating, freestyle skiing, ice hockey, luge, Nordic combined. Uh, you'll see some skeleton. I love the skeleton. What is the, the skeleton? Only, I... The only thing to make the luge scarier is if you go head first. I can't believe That's that. what the skeleton is. That's really crazy. Yeah. All right, yeah. Go, go Olympics. I'm watching skeleton. Me too. I, I want to do skeleton. You don't skeleton. even have your head, hands out. Burr. No, no, you're going straight down there. afraid to scrape your head. That's an abrasion burn right there. At least it's not a bore. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.